Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Digital Agency Show. Welcome podcast listeners and digital agency owners. Really glad to have you guys here. This week, we're hanging out with Dan Russell, a neuromarketing-focused advertising specialist who runs Agency Golden, a done-for-you digital advertising agency with a mission to innovate new ways to educate the public and spread products and services that matter. And they work with business consultants, coaches, fitness and therapy professionals, app companies, and a variety of other businesses to grow their customer base through multi-channel sales funnels. All very interesting stuff that we will talk about today. Welcome to the program, Dan. Thank you, Brent. Appreciate you having me. So how did you get into this business? What, what made... Uh, you think about having a neuromarketing focused advertising agency. And I definitely want to talk a little bit more about what that means because that's a little bit new to myself. But what got you into this field to begin with? Well, um, after, after I graduated college, I uh, partnered up with a marketing tech startup. So I actually entered the startup world pretty early on um, and, and really kind of uh, cut my teeth in that world. <clears throat> got, got very familiar with the the world of uh, marketing funnels, digital advertising, um, SEO. Like oh, I kind of had to had to wear all the hats in that sort of uh, position, and that really primed me to uh, take the next step and, and start my own agency, which initially focused on product launches. Um, and so we were doing a lot of automated sales funnels, a lot of uh, of, of product launches in the info product space, in the coaching and business services space eventually moved into advertising. So we, uh, we added on a new division in the agency that focused specifically on Facebook ads. And then that parlayed into LinkedIn and Google. And now we've got pilots running in, you know, uh, in stuff like Snapchat and, and other uh, newer platforms. But the, uh, the idea behind uh, merging the worlds of traffic generation and uh, sales conversions 
was really interesting to me early on. So the agency in its current form is kind of the, the a full service version of, um, of a marketing department. So, you know, people come to us with needs for traffic. Uh, and then we also have a full creative team that's on the back end that's able to actually say, hey, your sales page is, is converting kind of low. Here's what you can do. We can help you with that. So the name Agency Golden um, was derived from that approach, which was, you know, centered around the golden rule, which is, you know, do unto others as they would, as you know, you would have them do unto you. The marketing version of that for me, at least, is treat other people's marketing budgets the way that you would treat your own. <laughs> so um, that's, that's kind of the philosophy that I brought to that and, and having a full service shop um, that, that, that had its a uh, really, um, you know, uh, high level of experience with both the traffic and conversion side of internet marketing was important to me. Very interesting. So just so I'm clear, and, and, and I, I think I've, you know, I've got a pretty good picture of your agency, but you mentioned uh, in your bio, this idea of neuromarketing focus. So uh, what does, what does that mean? Yeah. So, so this has become a, uh, over the, over the last, uh, um, couple of years, a, a big focus of mine. Um, neuromarketing is essentially the application of psychological tendencies, patterns, and heuristics in combination with neuroimaging studies, such as uh, functional MRIs, EEG scans, and so on and so forth, which provide more of an insight into how to communicate with your customers. So there are tons and tons of, of studies in the world of psychology. There's faster and faster and more accurate uh, uh, imaging happening in the world of, of you know, uh, brain scans that give us insights into what other people are, are thinking, what they're feeling in reaction to a particular brand message or image or commercial or whatever that is. And that's the world of neuromarketing. And so the application of strat neuromarketing strategies which is stuff that I, you know, publish articles on and, and you know, record videos on and so on, uh, is super interesting to me because that is, in my opinion, the direction that the world of marketing is, is you know, focused um, and, and is moving in because there's a lot of stuff that, that we haven't, there's a lot of information, a lot of data that we haven't been able to have access to in the past through focus groups or through surveys or questionnaires um, that we now have access to through the use of you know uh, EEGs in terms of reading people's brainwave patterns or fMRIs, which allows us to actually peer into uh, you know a, a, a um, control groups you know brains and, and see like what areas of the brain are, are firing, whether it's uh, whether you know your your brand message is firing on their defensive mechanisms or their pleasure mechanisms, right? That's a very different thing. Those are two very different, very different parts of the brain to two very different um, results in terms of what you want to create uh, in terms of an emotional state in your, in your audience. So my work is really centered around creating an authentic application, meaning a responsible application of those strategies. So something that a strategy that does not, take advantage of the customer, doesn't um, uh, uh, use the marketing principles in irresponsible ways or in ways that deceive your, your customer base, and then apply those strategies to advertising, like traditional marketing channels and, and content marketing and so on and so forth. So are you saying that you actually would or have hooked up 
a potential customer or a representative of a market through a focus group, you actually hook them up to an EEG and run an advertisement or a sales letter in front of them? Right now, my work is, is limited to reviewing the, the uh, studies and, and the research coming out of educational institutions. There's a lot of, um, a lot of stuff coming out of uh, Emory and, and uh, a lot of kind of universities. So that's what I'm focused on right now. The long-term plan is for our agency to actually have a dedicated division that runs those studies for like on an enterprise level, because those are large studies, right? Like if you're trying to get, <clears throat> if you want like a neuromarketing study done for a product launch, which is what I w basically going forward, knowing, knowing what I know about this world would recommend. Um, because say that, say like Acura wants to, to launch a new car and, and they want to like, uh, design a new dashboard for, for their car. They don't want to rely on a focus group to say, hey, I like this, this design or I don't like this design. They want to be looking and they want to be peering into the brains of these people. Same thing goes for uh, product launches of new product, uh, uh, sorry, food products, uh, drinks, um, anything really, because it gives you statistically significant data on whether or not your product launch is going to be successful. Um, so those sorts of studies cost upwards of quarter million dollars plus, uh, and it requires lots of people and, and study groups and, and so on. Um, so right now I'm more interested in the principles and the application of those principles to advertising messaging, because that's a world that has not been explored at all. And so I'm, I'm the one that's creating those connections between the world of psychology and the world of marketing. And once that has been completed, then I'm going to move into actually doing those studies on my own, like for clients and so on. Yeah, it's really cool. I just can imagine doing a focus group or even doing, uh, you know, some user testing or user experience testing with actual cust representative customers within a market. There's the things that they say, and a lot of times I find that customers, you know, potential customers might not even know how to express their thoughts. I mean, that's why focus groups are probably, you know, they're pretty controversial to begin with because you know, are they even able to express how they feel about something or how they would actually buy? I mean, lots of people might say something like, you know, I would, that's too expensive. I mean, I bought many things in my life that I thought were too expensive, but I bought them anyways. Uh, and so uh, it would, I think it's so fascinating that you could actually learn something by seeing what's really happening in their brain versus the words that are coming out of their mouth. Cause there is, there's a big gap. It saves companies from from major product failures, and it, it it introduces them to major opportunities that would they wouldn't have otherwise seen. Like a there's a there's one of the guys that that I that I follow to the nth degree. His name is Martin Lindstrom, and he oversaw a five million dollar neuromarketing study that was co-funded between major corporations in America took multiple years to complete. They went through all these different experiments and, and they found um, <clears throat> for one particular client who was a TV, it was a, they were a TV producer. Um, they were trying to get a show on the air that was in America, which was very successful in the United Kingdom. And it was like, it was a show that I, I can't remember all the details, but it was a show where, um, you know, there was a hostess and she played a song and then like they, people had to call in and identify the song or, or identify the person singing the song or whatever. Anyway, the people in the focus group, so they held, they held a focus group and then they had a, held a neuromarketing study on the same focus group. 
the focus group said, I would not watch this show. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, to spend half an hour or however long it was actually watching this TV show because it just doesn't interest me. But then they put them into like an MRI. They asked them the same sorts of questions and these people's pleasure centers and, and, and curiosity centers and so on, like were just lighting up. And so the, the scientists were then looking at this and saying, well, either something materially different changed in a uniform way across this entire group of people between the focus group and the MRI scan, or they were lying and one mm. it, like, and they don't know that they're lying. They don't, they, but they have, we all have these filters that we set up they, where we, we don't want people to know what we're thinking or we're judging ourselves in real time or whatever. But in any case, you know, you, you don't want to, to say what you truly mean, or you don't even, your subconscious is just preventing you from even knowing that in reality, you wouldn't want to watch that TV show. Like if you're channel flipping and you saw it, you would stop and you would watch it, but you don't know why. Right. So the MRI is able to see that. And so the, the produce, the production company went with the MRI results and it was like hit TV show. So that was, and that's kind of like an example of how focus groups don't always give you the information that you want. And I extend that metaphor to, or that example, I suppose, to, uh, to surveys and questionnaires. Now they have their place. They give you a lot of really good feedback, but when you end up with the question of, will you buy this? Right. Or will you watch this show or, you know, will you spend time, uh, you know, will you book a 30 minute call? And, and the, at the end of the day, when people say yes to that or, or no to that, there's a lot more to that. And there, it might be that they're lying, that they just, but they just don't know about it. They don't know that they're lying. Yeah, that they're almost in a way lying or spinning a story to themselves uh, while thinking that they're giving you a kind of a more of a prepared answer. I mean, I think that's. Um, one of the fallacies, obviously, with focus groups and, and with surveys. So you mentioned earlier that you bring these principles in, and I think you can obviously see with a very tangible example like the show that you mentioned where they're doing the study for that customer, for that thing, uh, how are you able to then take these studies and turn them into principles that you can apply to your your customers? Because that's the piece that just – I mean, it seems this seems like a very complicated subject, and complicated subjects are always very difficult to explain to clients and and all that kind of stuff. So, how are you making this something that your clients can understand that's actually improving and increasing your overall value proposition? Yeah, so so that's a really really good question, and the short answer is it depends. The long answer um, is much longer, but uh, I'll I'll give you an example of of like one such mental pattern called the availability heuristic. So the availability heuristic um, basically states that information that's more readily accessible to our brains is uh, given more weight uh, in our decision-making process. So a popular example of this would be if I were to ask you if there are more words in the English, English language that began with K or had K as the third letter, and I gave you two seconds to think about it, then and this is this has been proven and uh, obviously you know i'm asking you in the context of this experiment but most people say oh more words begin with k because they think about words that begin with k more easily right kryptonite or uh you know uh, kaleidoscope or kite but in reality there are more words that have k as a third letter like ask um so so you but the brain finds it more difficult to identify those words 
So this pattern is replicated across uh, uh, branding and it's, 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 it's replicated across uh, belief patterns that we hold in other brands like corporations and, and so on. So if you have a, a, a brand that you want that, that your audience has like a mistaken belief in, for example, they don't, they don't trust that you're environmentally responsible, then you utilize retargeting, which is one of the most fun fundamental um, fundamental uh, uh, tools in, in the advertising tool belt to reinforce imagery that is indicative of environmental responsibility. So for example, you know, you have green leaves in your advertising, you've got, you know, uh, spinning uh, 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 windmills and, and so on and so forth, like imagery and language that's representative, very easily representative of uh, of environmental responsibility. And then after you have retargeted and, and, and targeted and retargeted and targeted and retargeted the same people with that same imagery and that same language, then the next time they see your brand and, and along the way your logo and so on would be associated with that imagery, the next time you, they see a call to action to buy from you, then that belief will have been, the belief that you weren't environmentally responsible will now be conflicting with this association that they've built uh, up to your, to your brand that says, hey, there's environmental responsibility associated with this person's brand, and it's more available to your mind than, than the, the previous belief that, that, uh, that, that you weren't associated with that environmental responsibility. So you can tell, like, this is the long answer. So you can tell how com complicated and customized these strategies can become but if you're facing a situ situation where you need to, you have a PR issue, or you need to really brand yourself along the lines of a specific belief, and that can extend to trust, it can extend to customer service, it can extend to any number of things, then you can use this availability heuristic, which is a shortcut that our brains make in order to save horsepower to recode that belief in the, the customer's mind. I can see how this would very or this type of thinking or this type of strategy could very quickly become a uh, you know an ethical or a moral dilemma. If <laughs> which is like I've I, I've built out an entire neuromarketing code of ethics, and every post that I make it has specific tenets of that of that code, which this is uh, like fully like integrated with, because it it can be used for evil, like for sure. And like anybody that, that I work with, I have them agree, like, this is something that like, uh, sometimes on the contractual level, like you are like committed to using these, these principles responsibly. Because like, for example, um, I was actually just writing a, a post this morning um, and, and it was all, it was basically all focused on something called the attentional bias. And that sort of, that particular bias, um, is, is particularly powerful with people who have, um, either neurological disorders or, um, or depression or anxiety or something like that. And so one of, one of the, uh, the tenets of the, I call it the bedrock of brilliance, which is the neuromarketing code of ethics that I built is called bleary brain, which states that under no circumstances, can you take advantage of clin clinical illnesses, psychological disorders, or any mental condition associated with downward spirals or impulsive behavior on the part of your audience. So that basically says like, you can't use this. You can't, it's unfair for you to use this. And I want it to be in the future illegal to use these sorts of, of strategies. 
against somebody who doesn't even know that they're being used. However, I know for a fact that that really large brands, really large corporations are already using this this sort of stuff, you know, on a very large, massive level. So I kind of want to, one of my missions is kind of like leapfrog them and, and get this research out there with the assumption that it's being used and the accountability that comes with that means that anybody who is using those strategies um, is like has seen that they are associated with this code of ethics, um, which means that they're, they're, they can be held accountable to, to keeping that kind of in check. Is that, um, I assume your, your code of ethics is something that's, that's on your website. We could link to that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I just want to highlight, I know this is, you know, I don't know if this is the intent of it, but I think a byproduct of this is uh, that is a great positioning angle to be able to go to clients and say, I have these tools and methods that the only way you're going to come on as a client is if you would use them responsibly because they're so powerful. Um, I can imagine as a client going, ooh, you know, Dan and his team have these amazing superpowers and we have to agree to not abuse them. Like that's a very powerful position to come in and, and, and work with clients. So what, paint me a little picture of Agency Gold. We've talked a little bit about your unique position in the marketplace. Um, you know, what, how many folks do you guys have in your team? What's the overall structure of this? So uh, we've got uh, we've got about uh, what is this? Uh, seven people on our team now. Okay. We basically got the agency split down into two camps. We've got the the content creation uh, side, that camp, and then we've got the the content promotion side. And the content creation is all about the the creative side, right? Like, what does what does the the landing page need to look like? What does the social post need to look to to look like or sound like? Uh, what imagery are we creating and and so on like that is the that's the the focus of the content creation then we've got the promotions and that includes our technical team our ads management team um, our account management team and and so on which implements all of that creative so we have those two camps because they they play very nicely together and so we have whenever a new client comes in let's say they're an advertising client uh, we we get everything set up from a branding standpoint and and from a from a targeting standpoint with the creative team, and then we get very very clear on on everything that is that we're going to be putting out that's representative of our clients' brands, and then we we move into the part of the team that's more technical and geeky, and I'm kind of more in that realm as well, so um, I'm 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 kind of like partial to that camp, <laughs> but uh, for the most part. The, those are the, that's kind of how the, the uh, agency is, is, uh, is organized. And I know from your, your website, one of the things that just kind of popped out at me was at the very bottom at the, in the footer, which, you know, who, who looks at the website's footers, but it says made with love from our team around the world. So you guys are obviously a uh, virtual, where, where are you based? I'm based in, uh, in Colorado. So in, in Breckenridge, Colorado. And we've got team members in Australia, in Canada, in India, uh, and in Europe. So we're, we're pretty much a 24-hour team and keep things up and running um, <laughs> on a pretty regular basis. So how do you, I mean, this comes up, I think, a lot in the agency world. There's a lot of folks that are out there 
that are virtual agencies from a position of necessity that they they don't have the money, the budget for an office or a physical in-person team. Uh, then there are the folks, I think, like you who have more embraced that idea of the virtual space. And obviously, it's a part of how you operate to have that freedom. Um, how do you guys make that work uh, being a, a very virtual team? Like what kind of tools or tactics do you have? I mean, literally, you have people in very different time zones. So what, 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 how does that work for you guys? So we use uh, a combination of tools and just uh, general, you know, structure. And, and I'll, I'll talk about the structure first because that's the, the more important piece. Um, we have set, uh, set daily meetings and, and that's, that's how we, how we communicate on a regular basis and make sure that any questions are, are any kind of, you know, conversation level questions are answered. And it's also a cultural piece too, because as a virtual team, you want to make sure that everybody is, is, you know, bought in and, and feeling comfortable and friendly. And there's nothing like there's there's no, you know, absence or, you know, uh, or, or sense of, you know, disconnect. Um, so, so we've got the daily meetings and, and during those daily meetings, we have our account manager lead those, those conversations and go through person by person, project by project, what's going on, big updates and new business. Um, we also have uh, like, like uh, we call them office. Our team is online pretty much throughout the day and, and night, but the office hours are what we use for project planning. And those are really important. So if we say that, you know, uh, a particular item is due by 5 p.m. or due by a certain day, the, the assumption is that it's due by 5 p.m. So one, one of the issues with an international team is that everybody's time zone is different and, you know, a due date for one person, especially if you're, you've got like a, you know, 12 or 13 hour time difference is much different from a, a deadline from another. So we've standardized um, our, our operating hours from uh, nine to five in uh, Eastern Standard Time. So we did that just because our project manager was going crazy trying to figure out how to <laughs> standardize all that stuff. Yeah, that's really interesting. Cause I, I mean, I can see how that would very quickly become a problem where you're having to constantly in the moment uh, you know, kind of accommodate for an Australian time zone because you also have a different day factor in there. So that's a really interesting idea of just saying, hey, when we say 5 p.m., that means, you know, Eastern Standard Time. And if that's, you know, if that's the day before or the day after at a certain time, like you just have to, you have to do that management on your own. We're not going to constantly be adjusting that for our team. That's really valuable. Right, right, exactly. So, so those are the, the, the those are the things that we've kind of learned trial and error sort of sort of things. Um, we also have, in terms of tools, we've used Facebook Workplace as a as a way to maintain the the company culture as well as maintain communication. So we were on Slack. Slack is great for a certain you know type of business, but we moved off of it because we found that Workplace provides more of a of a you know form for discussion rather than a chat thread. Um, and those seem different, but um, we really liked the idea of having a fa an internal Facebook for our business. So mm. our team has different groups. We've got a group for tools and, and, uh, and softwares. We've got a group for um, 
areas of improvement. We've got a group for celebrations and wins. So everybody's in there posting and, and having conversations and, and it's like, you know, post memes and stuff like that. So kind of that's, that's the cultural centerpiece, like uh, the, the hangout for the business. And then we have workplace, which is workplace chat rather, which is basically messenger for your business. Um, and that's where I can leave uh, voice memos and, um, and we can have, you know, group chat conversations and, and audio calls and so on and so forth. Um, so we definitely use that as a major uh, collaboration tool. We use um, Favro for project management, which is a really nice uh, project management tool. Uh, it's kind of like a super beefed up version of Trello. So we've got Kanban boards in there for all of our marketing projects um, and, and you can run reports on cards and so on and so forth. So uh, we've found that to be a super useful one as well. Um, and Zoom basically for, for conferencing. Those are the big ones uh, yeah. that we team do you guys ever or have you yet made a priority to to do in person or see each other like in in real life once twice a year for 2018 is to have a team retreat um whether that's in jamaica or bali or whatever we want it to be somewhere warm and <laughs> fly the whole team out there and have a have a group retreat and do some big planning get everybody on board and amped up we haven't nice. done that yet very cool. Yeah, I, I, we, we did one of those uh, this year, had a lot of people come out to Colorado for a few days because our our mentor team is, is spread out all over the country and, and world, really. So we had everybody kind of came in for a few days of hanging out and, and having, you know, sharing some meals. And it's definitely important. Yeah. Cool. Well, this has been really informative. I, mean, I love, obviously, um, the the conversation um, specifically that we're having around this whole neuromarketing thing that just feels so futuristic and, and, uh, and powerful. And I think that people should be aware. I mean, I think going into some of those biases, like the availability, uh, heuristic and things like that are, are really powerful. Are you, um, are you ready for our lightning round? Let's do it. I'm ready. All right. Um, so let's, uh, kick this off with what is the best advice you've ever received? Hmm. Best advice I received was the the role of a CEO uh, from a friend Dan Martell, and he's he's in mutual network of of, of he's in a, uh, the Mavericks, which is a network that I'm part of. Uh, he told me that the role of C the CEO is is very strictly in three areas. It's number one, don't run out of money. Number two, put the right people in the right seats. Number three, maintain the culture of the company. So. Those three things are, are kind of what I've spent the last year pushing myself to A, become really, really good at, and B, get everything else off my plate so I can focus on doing that. And that's been, that has like changed the game for me because I'm um, a very mechanically minded person as well as a visionary. So it's very easy for me to get a really big idea and then start working on it. But I have, I've, I've had to remove the second part of that in many ways. Um, in order to really step into into a leadership role. So that's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received. Nice. Dan Martell is a, a smart guy, so that's good advice. I, I, I have taken lots of advice from Dan Martell myself that has been uh, very impactful, so that's great. Uh, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Morning routine, for sure. Um, I, I've got a, uh, a pretty strict morning routine, a um, little bit of... Uh, of uh, coffee in the morning, um, right after, basically right after I wake up, make coffee, yoga, meditate, uh, read, write, and then I open the laptop. So, 
um, meaning like if I write on the laptop, I, everything else is closed. So I get my creative time and my me time in, in the morning, and that kind of sets me up for the, the rest of the day. And I've, I also experiment with, experiment with nootropics. So qualia, as I'm sure you've heard of, is, is a big, a big one. Um, brain dust, which uh, a friend of mine, uh, Austin, a friend of mine introduced me to recently is another really good one. So, um, you know, I kind of just try to set up my brain for the day within the first two hours or, or so of waking up, because I know that, that that kind of like sets the trajectory for the next 12 hours. You mentioned coffee, then yoga, reading, and then writing. Was there one other one in there? Uh, coffee, yoga, meditation, reading. Meditation. Okay. Yeah. You don't have kids yet, do you? I do not. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, that is a luxurious morning to start. You know, my 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 morning uh, tonight uh, today, I think, uh, started with my three year old screaming his head off because he couldn't see uh, when he woke up. He couldn't see because he refused to open his eyes, and I had to sit and coach him on opening his eyes for the first ten minutes of the day. And uh, but then he opened his eyes, and he was like just started laughing and giggling, you know, it's just, it's fun, but it's still like, that was 15 minutes. So, you know, that's anyways, but, um, what's that, what's it, you've shared a couple of tools uh, that you use, but are there any other internet resources or tools that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? Um, uh, just a, like on a, on a, uh, personal level, I really love Todoist, which is, uh, my go-to, uh, to do app. Um, I'm literally just going through my, my doc here. <laughs> yeah. Full contact, uh, which is like the best contact management platform, uh, out there that I've used keeps, keeps me like keeps things straight. Like if I'm ever traveling to Thailand or something like that, I can just put in the Thailand tag and find people that are living there. Yeah. Those are, those are, uh, that's a, that's a Denver based, uh, I guess they're not really a startup anymore, but they, yeah, I, uh, they, way back in the day they're, they're, uh, uh, we have an interview with them on our YouTube channel from uh, from our founder series. They definitely like skyrocketed pretty quickly, um, and and I've 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 been with them since they were in beta, so it's kind of like you know I've I've kind of seen it take shape and everything, and they just keep adding new great features. Um, it's a it's like a there's there's another one that I like called Contactually, um, which a, a lot of my friends also use, but that's. Um, that's more for that, that includes like email templates and like outbound messages and so on. So I don't need that. I just, the full contact is good. I just need tags and a way to organize things. Cool. Another one, Ohm writer, which is a a nice writing app. O M M W R I T E R. That's a, it's a super Zen sort of writing app and it's just, it's the simplest thing in the world, but it takes over your whole screen, eliminates all distractions, has nice background music and, and little clicks as you type on the keyboard, which are kind of aesthetically pleasing. So that is really good for helping me get into the zone if I'm writing. I am, I'm going to download that one today. I like that. I like, I like the idea of, uh, something that destroys the distractions as one of the features, uh, what book would you recommend and why? Um, man, I, I usually go for I usually go for uh, Think and Grow Rich, but I don't know how many times people have told you that. So, <laughs> um, I will actually say uh, Biology, which is uh, actually in the realm of the neuromarketing stuff that I was talking about earlier. It's written by the dude I mentioned, Martin Lindstrom. 
Um, it's spelled B-U-Y-O-L-O-G-Y, so biology. And that is the, the summary of all the findings that Martin found in that $5 million neuromarketing study. And that, that one really has, it's just chock full of stuff. I went into the references of that book. I went to the references of the references. It's just a great, great place to start if you're interested in neuromarketing. That's awesome. How can our audience find out more about you? And is there anything that you have that uh, they can check out? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, the, uh, my, my personal uh, brand website is at speakingofbrilliance.com. And the agency's website, uh, if people are interested in what we do as a business for clients, is agencygolden.com. So either of those will work. Very cool. And we'll link to both of those in the show notes. Uh, thank you very much, Dan, for hanging out with us today. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you, Brent. Appreciate the time. All right, man. Best of luck. And that is our show for this week on the Digital Agency Show. Tune in to us next week. Always bringing you guys great content from the space of digital agencies. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show. 